Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new comics on sale December 26, 2019. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. I'm Tucker Marcus. And, you know, normally we tell you all about the new comics that come out. We tell you about the collections, the digital stuff, all that good stuff. Really, the meat potatoes of an episode is telling you about the new, brand new comic books. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, like sometimes in the teens, sometimes in the 20s of comics and we have to you know really get yeah. into them this week we have a stunner of an episode with four count them four comics out this week one for each member of the fantastic four one for each of the fingers i have on my right hand one for each of the beatles one uh, for each of the presidents since the 90s <laughs> right. nonetheless we do have a smaller number of books this week but we are going to go through them and it's a big four book like these yeah. are great books after that we're going to get into telling you about what's digital and all that other stuff but we have something special on top of that this week we have a really cool breakdown of all of our favorites from 2019 earlier on this year i had one of our amazing interns start to put together a document that just says hey here are your picks here are the creators here are all this stuff that you've done on each episode of Marvel's Pull List. And then our amazing producers, Jorge and MR, have kept that going, have put it together, and taken it to another level, giving us a rundown and basics of, like, here's your favorites that you guys, Tucker and Ryan, liked. I thought that was really interesting. I love data and, like, seeing how things pan out yeah. over the years. there's the really cool aspect of looking at what all of our picks were cumulatively, and then there is just the other really cool aspect to it. That's a lot of work to put all that together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of work goes into every little piece of this show, yeah. but we shouldn't keep you waiting. Let's go into our first of the four books. All right, we're starting with Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, number one. This is told by by Mark Wade and Kev Walker with colors by Java Tartaglia and letters by VC's Corey Pettit with a beautiful cover by Phil Noto. Right off the bat, I just think Kev Walker is so perfect for a Doctor Strange story. There's something about his take on reality that I really love. The way he draws mouths on faces, the way that he draws legs. I feel like I could go down such a long list of specifics that are like so unique and really just different. They bring such a special vibe to everything. And it's been interesting overall looking at Doctor Strange and Mark Wade's run on Doctor Strange because we've gone from Jesus Saiz, who is like an ultra realistic kind of photorealistic artist, to Kev Walker. And both of them are incredible. Both of them have such special and unique talents. But it's really interesting to see the flavor that that brings to this story right off the top because while this may not have that kind of photorealistic take, it has its own unique special things. But what it does not lack in any terms at all is the gravity, the seriousness when necessary, the creepiness at creepiness times. Creepiness for yeah. sure. And there's also a lot of like levity that Mark oh, Wade yeah. knows how to balance into a story. It's not a funny book, but he knows where to toss a joke in because it's a Marvel story. Yeah. I mean, like That is part of our DNA, having a little humor amidst the drama and the chaos and the action and the adventure. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so seeing all that mixed in together and getting, of course, the remit of this book, which is that Stephen Strange has 
his hands you kind know, of fully functioning again and thus has a kind of moral obligation to return to being the finest surgeon in the world while also carrying out his duties as the master of mysticism. So seeing all of that mixed up in here is so cool. The villain that pops up in this story was wildly unexpected for me. It's a character I love, but never would have guessed to be mixed up in here. And it's a character that I think provides a bunch of really interesting contrasts to Stephen Strange. And we'll get into that maybe when issue number two comes out. Yeah, seeing all of that come together and then seeing the kind of emotional and action climax of this story was really cool. It really, really hits home and and you can really feel exactly what this team is going for with this book. This issue also has a character referenced that, like, basically setting them up to show up in future issues as part of the recurring cast, Mm -hmm. where I remember being in one of the creative retreats as Mark Wade was talking about this book, saying he was going to use this character. And I was like, yes, someone else likes this character aside (laughs) from me. It's great. It's very exciting. Uh, That book rules. Like, the monster design that Kev does Mm -hmm. for all, like, the... You know, that like Doctor Strange has this sixth sense, this like extra sight where he could just see the demonic, mystical maladies above people. Mm-hmm. It's gross and horrifying and cool. <laughs> it's real neat. Yeah, it's awesome. I do want to say that all of our books are our picks of the week. Yeah. We got four. They <laughs> yeah. all made the cut and they, they're all pick worthy. Oh, yeah. Even on a normal week, I think all these would absolutely be right in there yeah but maybe most of all the next book which is incoming there's like an exclamation point yeah i was gonna say i can hear it to punctuate it uh incoming it is a gigantic 90 plus page one shot with like the biggest array of creators only dwarfed by marvel comics 1000 and 1001 i think Mm -hmm. this has stories in this issue by Al Ewing, Humberto Ramos, and Edgar Delgado, Chip Zdarsky, Jorge Fornes, and Jordi Belair, Kelly Thompson, and Matia Deulis, Kelly with Carmen Cañero and Rochelle Rosenberg, Jason Aaron, Andrea Sorrentino, and J. David Ramos, Matthew Rosenberg, R.B. Silva, and Israel Silva, Greg Pak, Ani Wu, and Triona Farrell, Eva Ewing, Kim Jacinto, and Espen Grundinger, Al Ewing, Joe Bennett, Roy Jose, and Dono Sanchez Almara. Ed Brisson, Aaron Cooter, Michael Garland, Donnie Cates, Ryan Stegman, and David Curiel, Saladin Ahmed, Javier Garon, and Teeny Howard, Jim Chung. So good to get interior art by Jim Chung. Mm-hmm. And Romulo Fajardo Jr., John Hickman, R.B. Silva, and Marte Gracia, Dan Slott, Luciano Vecchio, and Espen Grunjern, Dan Slott with Francesco Mana and Edgar Delgado. And then finally, Dan with Carlos Pacheco, Rafael Frontiers, and Maury Hollow. I know that's a lot of names at you. But I specifically wanted to throw the names in here because this is an amazing feat to put together. And of course, it couldn't have happened without the editorial talents of Shannon Andrews, Ballesteros, Alana Smith, and Tom Brevoort. There's a special thanks to Jordan D. White in here. I would imagine specifically for using uh, Sinister and the couple of X-Men beats that are in here. This issue is... Sort of a celebration of Marvel Comics 2019, Mm -hmm. looking at the big books and characters, creators, and all kinds of stuff, but also a big look forward into what is coming. The title, Incoming, Mm -hmm. means a lot, and it sets up big stories, one that has already been announced, which is Empire, and we haven't given a ton of information yet. When you read this issue, you're going to see the way that's going to come together, but also... 
the directions that a lot of our books are going, whether it's Ghost Rider or some really interesting stuff happening with Sinister. I, I specifically mentioned Sinister because his bit in this issue is really funny. It really hits that tone of what John Hickman and company have been doing for mm-hmm. Sinister in the X-Books. It also throws in Mojo, which <laughs> made me super duper happy. And on top of setting up stuff, it just gives us great moments. If you want Miles and Peter hanging out, saving the day, and then just sitting down to have a cup of coffee and talk to each other, which is just this wonderful moment. You get that in here. If you want to see Wiccan and Hulkling having like heart-to-heart just time with the two of them, you get that in here. If you want to see Jessica Jones investigating a murder, you get that in here. If you want to see a Herbie robot cursing out the Fantastic Four, <laughs> you get that in here. There's so much fun stuff here. And I think it's really interesting. If you're not reading, say, the X-Books, you're a big uh, Hulk fan, or if you're uh, a big Spider-Man fan, but you really don't care about the Avengers, you should still read this book. Mm-hmm. If you like any part of Marvel, this has something for you. And I think part of the beauty and the sinisterness of this issue is that it's going to make you want to read the other parts you're not reading. Yeah, they all kind of have such a critical part of the story in a really interesting way in in, in a way that I think is so um, simple but so beautiful. And, and that is that this narrative essentially starts out on kind of a gritty ground level and it's a mystery and it escalates and escalates and escalates and escalates from you know the street level all the way to kind of avengers level all the way to a cosmic level and so of course when you put it in that linear progression and you see how those characters interact with each other you see the characters that certain characters have the impulse to go and talk to about something or bring the issue to next or or something like that. You see this web and you see how it all progresses together. Each different element of that is critical and it's so cool to see it all lined up that way. That's something I was super into with this. And because it is this big sprawling narrative with all these pieces having to work together for it to actually work together is a huge feat. And it does. It is compelling It moves very quickly for a book that is the size of many trade paperbacks. You know, in one single issue, you're getting three to four issues worth of story. You can feel the momentum as you go, 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 go with the landing on this gigantic last page. And you're like, wait a minute, what? And you're like, okay, now I'm ready for 2020. It's really cool. After you get through with the story and after you see all the creators, you get a sense of all the places you can pick up these various narratives Mm -hmm. going forward, which I think is cool. So if you find yourself into one of these books and into some of these characters, you know where to start reading, uh, which I think is truly helpful for a book of this size and scope. I think, yes, there's only four books out this week. And yes, we put out 60 books in the last two weeks. Mm -hmm. This is something I highly suggest everybody have on their pull list. Oh, yeah. All right, awesome. Going from incoming... Mm. You hear that exclamation mark? To... Let's see if you can hear this piece of punctuation. Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham. I did. There's two books in a row with punctuation. I yeah. feel like that's rare. Yeah. Uh, this one, the punctuation is a <laughs> comma? Yeah. It's yeah. A comma. It's a comma. Because you, you, you could get also... colons often, right. but rarely commas. Could also have been a colon, but yeah. I like the comma in there. Okay. This is Peter Porker, spectacular Spider-Ham, number one. Uh, it's a book I've been really excited about for a long time, largely 
due to the creative team here as well as my love for this character. But that creative team is made up of writer Zeb Wells, artist Will Robson, colorist Eric Arseniega, and letterer VCs Joe Caramagna. This is one of those books that I have some delightful insight to from sitting in, sneaking in the back like a little street urchin, like a little scamp. Hello, sir. Can I listen in onto your comic books? Exactly. At the Marvel Creative Retreat, the most recent one where the idea and a bunch of details for this story were laid out and the room was going nuts, just loving it, riffing on it and having so much fun. There's so much love for Zeb and this book in that room was really, really cool. And jumping into it right from planet Earth as it relates to Marvel, there are so many of these formerly wildly esoteric characters that are now just like household names. And I think Peter Porker is absolutely right up there after Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse, and deservedly so. For my money, one of the most kind of exemplary Marvel Comics characters, because the idea is inherently absurd. It's crazy it doesn't make any sense Uh, some of the early stories that you get for this character way back in the day are just so out there so wacky so wonderful but that's like an element a facet of marvel comics that i love so much it's this irreverence it's taking this idea that absolutely should not make sense and making it make perfect sense i almost corrected you when you said way back in the day i was like that's only the mid 80s (laughs) and then i was like Oh, no. (laughs) That is a long time ago. I I posted a cover, an amazing variant cover by Inhyuk Lee, onto my Instagram last week. And someone was like, wait, this says it's legacy issue number 21. Are there other Spider-Ham comics? And that's an important thing to let people know. Like, Spider-Ham has been around for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. This universe, this world, these characters. So it's not something that has just come around because of, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. But I think... We are so blessed that a movie that is so good can bring a character that is this absurd and this wild to the forefront yes. so new generations can experience Absolutely. It. And 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 so you with this character you have Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man which is kind of the main like, you know, eponymous uh series that this character has led for a long time, but I think Spider-Ham also played a, a, a crucial part in Dan Slott's original Spider-Verse story. What I mean by that in a broader sense is that Spider-Ham, while he has these way out there roots, he has in Marvel Comics, he has a legacy at now of being very intertwined into the greater web of spider characters and everything going on. You should also tell people why Spider-Ham is so absurd, because it starts with the origin of what Spider-Ham is. Yeah. Spider-Ham isn't a pig bitten by a radioactive spider. Right. Part of what I love about it, it is like takes like an almost 200 and sit like a 270 degree turn. You're like, where are you going? What is happening? That's a great place to start because this issue number one starts out with panels from Peter Porker's Spectacular Spider-Ham number 15 from way back in the day so to speak, like you said, um, (laughs) by Steve Meller, Joe Abello, Pierre Fournier, Janice Chang, and Juliana Ferretier. I I just love the way that Zeb kind of flips the trope on its head and says, given the Marvel Comics history, given the way that, of course, that a bunch of people know this character now, he's literally saying, you know, you think you know this character. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but he's going to have his own spin on it here. And one of the things, to, to go back to the retreat, that was just sending shockwaves of joy across that room was 
the amazing pun names of the characters in Peter Porker's world. And essentially, you have a different kind of take on a bunch of classic Marvel characters, but animal form. Do you have a favorite? Daredevil has always been a favorite yep. just because it's just it's so right there. Goose Rider is a favorite, yeah. especially because of the way Will Robson draws the anthropomorphic animal heroes. Captain America is just always dope. Yeah. But I think it's Moltron is yeah. the animal version of Ultron. And the way Will draws Moltron crushed me. I, like This yes. was the book that Will was born to draw this weird, quirky, cartoony thing. And, you know, like, we, we know that Peter Porker is a spider bitten by a radioactive Aunt May pig, but, like, what was Captain America? Yeah, right. What right. was Daredevil? Like, what, what are their origin stories? Like, I want everything. Yeah, I completely agree. It is just endlessly delightful here. It does have its edge of, like, classic kind of spider-man humor but it also has this like untouchable dad joke level humor as well all of that aside the actual narrative that's getting kicked off here is really interesting one it's really really fun and it could not be a more perfect start to a series and could not be a more perfect book to come out like right in the middle of the holiday season because this is a book that you and I love. I think this is a book that younger readers would love. This is kind of for everyone in the best way and just so exciting. Yeah, yeah. it's a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Our last book of the week is Venom, issue number 21, written by Donny Cates, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andy Owens, color by Frank Martin and Eric Arciniego, with letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And this is the start of Venom Island. Wow. Yeah, we are finally here. If you have not been following Venom, there's a lot that has happened in the last two-ish years you know we've built on the mythology of the symbiotes we know that null the god of the symbiotes has escaped his cage and he is coming to earth to destroy everything <laughs> and that is cool and that is ominous but right now eddie brock is sort of dealing with the fact that he had to absorb the carnage symbiote all these other symbiotes to defeat the absolute carnage and so this issue starts to explore that's not a safe space for him. Mm -hmm. Eddie's other, the symbiote that we know, is powerful and smart, but it's kind of overwhelmed within the consciousness. You've got the Carnage symbiote, which has spent years, years side by side with Cletus Cassidy, which will warp anything. And so you've got this turmoil that's starting to unfold in this issue. On top of the big drama of Eddie and his son, which is a big revelation for these characters, and they're trying to deal with that. And something that was totally unexpected for me was an Avengers storyline in yeah. this issue and yeah. how that is part of everything. And when I was reading, I was like, that kind of makes perfect sense, too. Like, this conversation and how this would shape up and come together... But this one is great. This is the next big arc for Venom. It is going to be fully drawn by Mark Bagley. It is a kind of throwback to a classic Spider-Man and Venom story where they were stuck on an island. Venom was trying to eat Spider-Man. He thought he did. He was like, ah, good. Everything is 
great. I won. Spidey got off. And eventually, you know, Venom got his way back to society. But this one doesn't have Venom at odds with Spider-Man. It has Venom at odds in many ways with himself. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to see a really cool storyline. And I've heard Donnie describe this story as Predator. Right. Essentially like a riff on a Predator type storyline where Eddie has to hunt the symbiote and stop it before it can do something really terrible. The last page of this issue is just like shredding heavy metal guitars, (laughs) pounding drums and like, just I need the next issue right yeah. now. It's so cool because looking at these four issues as a whole, we have three new number ones, but this issue feels like a new beginning in actually a bunch of different ways, not just because of the obvious that it's like a new story arc and everything, but Absolute Carnage was a huge event for Eddie Brock for how he relates to the symbiote and what the future is going to hold for him. So all of those changes coming into play, and then of course, like all the everything going on, like you mentioned with Dylan, it like really does feel like a new beginning for this character in a bunch of different ways that I'm so excited about. And it's all brought to you by Ultron in the real world, Mark Bagley, because he is like a robot. You mean because of how proficient and yeah, and excellent because he, he does is? like how many like twenty issues a year or something insane? Yeah, Mark. Like I've heard tales of. Mark finishing an issue before his next script is available for him <laughs> and being like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm just going to sit here. Like, yeah, he can get through an issue faster than some writers can write. Right. He's that good. Insane. The quality that he can do an issue. He doesn't skimp on details. He oh, does yeah. Full backgrounds. He does all kinds That's the craziest of little thing. things. That's the, it looks so gorgeous. His acting, yeah. uh, you know, the, the way he styles the, his shot choices is Every time you read a Mark Bagley comic, it's like looking at a master explaining to you how comics are made. Exactly. He could do it all Marvel style if he wanted to Mm -hmm. and just, you know, give him a plot. 20 pages later, you've gotten something that's probably better than you expected. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay. Awesome. We made it. Four big issues. We covered it all. And that's what we have for individual print issues on sale this week. And now we're covering what's coming on Unlimited. Yes, yeah, because there are no uh, print collections out this week, so if you've had something at your local comic shop you've been waiting on, go get it now. We freed you up some money. And on the Marvel Unlimited front, there's, of course, tons of great stuff in there. Issue 7 of Captain Marvel, Issue 7 of Daredevil, Star Wars stuff in there, and, of course, War of the Realms. Some classic stuff that's thrown in there. A bunch of Heroes Reborn issues from the, I think this was 2002, give or take, uh, mm. like reprise of that story. Um, there's Love Romances, issue 103, Red Raven Comics, number one, which I'm so excited for us to put <laughs> in there because that's like 1942 right. or three or something like that. I love when we dig in and get on some of that old stuff. So it's super duper cool. Before we get into our big data stuff, though, uh, we do have a couple community pieces to read in here. You want to read that first one? Sure. This is a tweet from Alex Moorhead. Come on, at Agent M and at Tucker Marcus. The ghostwriter will always be Johnny Blaze. Kind of a screw-up, usually reluctant hero, but always the king. Hashtag king of hell. P.S. Love the show. Where do you, where do you settle? It's hard to argue with, right? Yeah. It's really hard to argue with. Even like the status quo change of him going to hell like over the past couple of years or whatever, even that is it's an elevation in a way because he's the king of hell. I know. Yeah. Alex, actually, uh, we had a little bit more of a conversation. He said it was okay for me to share because 
when he was talking about Marvel's pull list, he said that my aunt and I listen every week. And although we have our set pull list, the podcasts always get us excited and almost always results in one extra book purchase a piece. And although we would love to buy every single issue, we can't. So it's nice to catch a glimpse in the corners of the Marvel Universe we aren't actively reading. He talks a lot about our passion and all that stuff. And it was really cool. It was Really sweet to, to see. We got a, a great note in there, and he and I actually had a little bit more conversation. Alex has a podcast you can find out at byocbshow.com, and he says, My aunt is my hero. She helped raise me and has been in a rough spot health-wise. A few years ago, they removed her stomach. She has had a rough time and is often stuck in bed. Got her the Marvel Unlimited app just as a way to give her something to do. I created a monster, lol. Now, each week, <laughs> I pick her books up at the local shop. Kamala Khan is her favorite character, and Kelly Thompson is her favorite writer. She has been collecting Ms. Marvel to read to my baby when she is older. Comics have brought us closer together, and I've been a source of joy for her. As you know, comics are a powerful thing. That's beautiful. Like I, This is everything I hope for in what we do, is just to find ways to expand comics and our love to other people, and then their love to other people, mm-hmm. um, and... Yeah, I would love for everybody to go buy comics at their local shop, but get Marvel Unlimited and read. Just that's what it's there for. Right? Yeah, that's, that's why, why it's such an it. amazing tool. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so big thank you to Alex. You can find Alex on Twitter at B-Y-O-C-B Alex. Yeah. Give his show a listen. All right. And now, without further ado, Marvel's pull list picks of 2019. These are just, you know, data-driven by our favorites throughout the year. And yeah. it's something that we didn't even think about as we go through. We don't think about it when we pick our picks. We just pick our gut favorites. Mm-hmm. And so when we do that, we come up with some really interesting stuff. First of all, 210 picks for the That's year. That's 105 each? Yeah. So that, Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yes, every once like in a while, a week. I'm obnoxious, and I say, this one's also one of yeah, our picks yeah. of the week. Yeah. This one, not surprising whatsoever. Tucker's yeah. most picked was Star Wars. And that's actually interesting. I don't think I would have guessed that that would have been my top pick. Yeah. But at the same time, it makes perfect sense. For sure. Yeah. And then yours, uh-huh. one that I absolutely would have guessed, which is Immortal Hulk. Yep. And how could it not be? I know. The other thing that you've got to think about, there's probably 14 to 18 issues right. of Immortal Hulk this year. Right. 16. So there was a, more than 12 issues, I believe, yeah. this year yeah. of Immortal Hulk. That's the other thing I'm thinking about here is like, so we have the total number of picks at 210, and then I'm looking at all the stats that we have between like most frequently picked writer, most frequently picked artist, et cetera, et cetera, all the way down the line, is essentially what percentage of total shows that we're picking people. Um, Because if we continue down this line here, and then we have most frequently picked writer, for listeners and longtime listeners of the show, I want to have you pause and guess what you imagine it would be. Okay. What do you think? Okay. There you go. Here's your guess. The answer is Jason Aaron with 24. 24. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's like, that's like 15% of all picks are him. Yeah. Or something like that. Some nuts number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you got to think war of the realms. Yep. Avengers. Yep. Thor. Yeah. Just from that. And then, yeah. you know, when he, is part of, you know, ensemble books or whatever it is. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It's good to be Jason Aaron. I mean, yeah, but it's like, it's really funny because it was a huge year for 
Jason Aaron comics, you know, saying goodbye to Thor, taking the helm of like uh, of this massive event story that I think already people are accepting is like maybe the best event in the last 10 or so years or something, at least really, really makes me excited. We talk about these things on a granular level of like, oh, yeah, this guy is the master or this artist or this whoever. And then to see it, to have that kind of cumulative view on everything and have that just come out in the in the stats is so cool. Let's look at some of the other writers who are up top because, you know, Teeny Howard with nine picks. Heck yeah. uh, Smaller number of books released by her see that's an interesting point of like total number of books that this person did and then total number of times that they were picked like percentage wise again i bet i bet it's probably similar to jason's numbers and so she has nine in that way but also teeny's been writing comics for us for two years okay that's that's the other point okay so like teen i think i've talked about this book a few times is that Teeny wrote a Captain America annual, I think, last year. That is one of my favorite individual issues of since for the last few years. And that was kind of, to me, like my major Marvel introduction to Teeny. And to see now, like, everything that Teeny's doing with Excalibur, all of the plans for Dawn of X, everything going on there, everything even beyond that. It's so cool. It's, it's another one of those awesome things to, to track the progress of a creative person at the house of ideas and see where they began and see how they just exploded onto the scene and then just immediately started taking everything over. It's so awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the, our like num second most picked writer was Chip Zdarsky yep. with 20, yeah. which is huge right behind him. Donnie Cates with 17, Al Ewing with 16, considering five of those are immortal Hulk yeah. and he's still knocking out of the park with other stuff. Mm-hmm. I would imagine Valkyrie yeah. and other books in there. Jerry Duggan with 13 friggin' Jonathan Hickman. Now think about this, right? John Hickman, 13, 10 of those could have been powers of 10 house of X. Mm-hmm. Then he's only got maybe 10 more issues, right? Because he wasn't doing a lot. House of X and powers of 10 were him really coming back to Marvel. Yeah, like right at the end of summer. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that, it's the beginning of Dawn of X. So it's three issues of X-Men. He had two issues of New Mutants. Mm -hmm. Like that's enough. Yeah. He had parts in other books. Not a lot. His percentage was probably highest per capita. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is, is wild. To what Tucker was saying coming into the summer, Jorge, our producer, just said, he doesn't come into Marvel's pull list as a possible candidate until July. (laughs) <laughs> so he's only playing with half the year yeah yeah freaking hickman yeah insane. Uh, ed brisson with 11 kelly thompson with seven matthew rosenberg with seven cy spurrier with three which is all afra yeah because i think that's only rope but you know still three solid ri- issues of afra man real good yeah it's so awesome so those are the writers that we have the most frequently picked and now we, if we move on to artists yeah okay so top penciler slash artist is mark bagley coming in with eight issues perfect perfectly timed given what we were just talking about yeah i want to look at the data real quick because how many of those were spider-man life story which he (laughs) did the art of that is three issues of spider-man life story yeah and then he had you know whatever else he was working on and now you include venom and it's just like of course of course he's up there yeah 
30 years in the business. I think <laughs> this year is his, he was either this year or last year, his 30th anniversary at Marvel. And of course, he's crushing it. You know, it's really important also to note Carmen Carnero coming in. Three issues, all of them, I believe, would be Captain Marvel, which launched this year. And this is her first year at Marvel. Three of them being picked into, you know, some of our favorites. Yeah. And some of the, like, some of my uh, favorite work of the year, a million percent coming from Carmen. Everything uh, that she did with uh, Captain Marvel this year was absurdly good, such high quality. And it was one of those things that was just kind of like, um, I feel like it started at such a high level and then just got better and better and better. And now we're at like a fever pitch with that series where I genuinely don't know how on an issue by issue basis it could even improve because it's just that good. Um, everything I think since we've roughly like since we've hit double digits in that series and like issue 10, 11, 12 kind of moving on like as we really got deep into the second arc and stuff like that it's just been ridiculously good and so much of that brought by Carmen who is so so talented and Carmen is doing covers on Star which I'm so excited about yeah yeah bad boy of Marvel Comics Ryan Stegman gets five penciler nods in here yeah what can you say about him he's just (laughs) that good Joe Bennett six issues a bunch of them for Immortal Hulk but Mm -hmm. also some work in other books Russell Dodderman five issues War of the Realms in there because that's all he did was War of the Realms. So five out of six issues. Nailing it. Yeah. Phil Noto, a similar thing to John Hickman because I don't think Phil had much interior work before Star Wars in 2019. Right. Of course, he's been doing work for us for years, but four issues out of what, like a six or seven issue story arc probably uh, on Star Wars. He comes in there. Uh, Cafu, three issues of Valkyrie. Yeah, so, so good. damn good. Kev Walker, you know, we've talked about Kev this there issue, th- this episode, three issues there. Um, yeah, anybody else? Uh, Javier Garon, Miles Morales artist, and uh, one of our young guns. Yeah, immediately as you're reading all these names, my brain is full of either like my favorite individual pages or panels or story moments or just like. A kind of iconic look that these artists have and what's so cool looking at it from this angle is just how diverse all of these artists are in terms of their art styles it's so so cool to line them all up in this way and see what do they bring to the table on an individual issue basis what is their style what is their vibe what do you think of when you think of this artist's name it is so radically different across the board. Like when you think of a Javier Garon or you think of a Ryan Stegman, you know, they're both doing these like main superhero books. They're both doing books that I guess you could even say are tangentially like in the Spider-Man family in that way. But like it could not be more different and they could not be more appropriate for their individual series. It's so cool. 100%. All right. Let's do cover artists. Sort of fill, fits in right there. Yeah. It fills right in because the number of covers that we selected from Phil Noto tops this list with Star Wars obviously being right up there at the top, including those really cool rock cuties that I love from their arc. I love that you call them rock cuties, (laughs) and I hope you do that forever more. So nine times we uh, chose a book uh, with a cover by Phil Noto, seven times with cover by Arthur Adams coming in at number two, which is really awesome. Iconic 
artist there. Alex Ross coming in at seven. And that, again, that's one of those that perfectly feels unfair because Alex Ross, of course, doing covers on Immortal Hulk, doing covers on Captain America, just like, you know, he is the legend that he is for a reason. Then after that, we have Juan Ferreira, which is awesome to see. One of my favorite kind of emerging talents of the year. I think we started seeing Juan's work regularly at the end of 2018 with Old Man Logan. I believe he did a few issues on with Ed Brisson. Bullseye story. Yeah, which was so spectacular. And we immediately freaked out reading those. And then so to see him progress throughout 2019 has been so cool. Of course, with Killmonger. Of course, with the Punisher War of the Realms tie-in story. And then Kill Crew. Such good stuff there. Tradmore, this one really makes me laugh. Tradmore is up there as well with five issues, of course, including Silver Surfer Black. I think when we look at 2019 from an art perspective, you have to give a special shout out to Tradmore, almost in his own category, because of the level, not just of execution, but the level of imagination. That is the deeply fascinating thing about Trad for me, is not only his ability to put these things on paper, but to translate them from his mind into reality. When you're talking about the level that he's playing at and the near indescribable work that he's putting in, (laughs) it's it's really got to be kind of operating purely on instinct and something special that he has within him because truly, I don't know how you could look at a page, any given page of Silver Surfer Black and really accurately describe what's going on there. Yeah, you know, we're going to get into what I think is also an important reason why a book like Silver Surfer Black excels so much is the coloring. Oh, yeah. Good coloring, especially in this day and age, elevates a book in some incredible ways. Top colorist for 2019 looks like we had a tie Mm -hmm. between David Curiel and Matthew Wilson, both having colored 10 of our favorite issues each this year. Then Dave Stewart was the colorist on Silver Surfer Black. Right. And I think that symbiosis between Dave's colors and Trad's mind-altering pencils yeah. is why that book looks the way it does. It's so cool to read this list because it's it's just an all-star team at the top of this. Any book would do well to have any of these colorists on board. You mentioned Dave Stewart. Then we have Jesus Abertov. We have Marte Gracia. We have Rochelle Rosenberg, all with eight issues right there with Dave Stewart. And then we have Frank D'Armada and Paul Mounts with seven. Paul Mounts, of course, on Immortal Hulk. So much talent on display here. It's so cool. One of the interesting things you also to think about is you've got Juan Ferreira, Phil Noto, Javier Rodriguez, among others, all three of them doing their own pencils and their own colors, yeah. which is a really cool bit because that takes a lot to draw 20 pages and then have either yourself ink them or have someone else ink them and then go over them again coloring because the color process isn't like I laid them down, right. done, PC right. you later. Right. Right. There are corrections. There are things that get changed over time because we have amazing technical ability to do colors the way we do them nowadays and man those issues all stand out everything that they all touch oh yeah so so good okay books titles that we most frequently selected in the year 2019 
again, this is another one. I'll give you a moment, listener, to guess. Number one on this list is including tie-ins. And so in that way, it has a little bit of an asterisk. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to say it's not deserving of the top spot. It's War of the Realms. Yes. Yeah. So the asterisk is interesting because 12 times a War of the Realms book was picked. Six of those are core War of the Realms. Right. There are six War of the Realms (laughs) issues plus an Omega. So technically seven. Right. But like that's that's batting a thousand. Yeah. Or batting (laughs) like, you know, 880 or something like that. So it's real high up there. Yeah, if you had any hesitations, if you didn't catch it when it was coming out, I think it's getting close to being all up on Marvel Unlimited now. We, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, close. It's, it's getting close. In the next few weeks, I think it'll all be up there. Get on it because we're talking about it in this episode for a reason because it was really, really special. <laughs> yeah. And then, so, okay, you take out the, the tie-ins. You're at six for War of the Realms. The only book above that is Immortal Hulk. Yeah. With seven. Yeah. And so it means you picked it twice. I right. picked it five times. Right. I've been in local comic shops a bunch of times, whether I'm with friends or someone, and I bring them over to the trades and I find Immortal Hulk and I find the first collection of Mortal Hulk and I turn to two pages within that first issue of that collection and I show people and every time I get this crazy reaction of like what I didn't know you could do that it's kind of like unfair and that is of course what probably will be untouched as like my favorite two pages in Marvel Comics maybe ever which is Immortal Hulk number one out in 2018 I know it's a little unfair to talk about but which is the back-to-back double-page splashes where it was just like essentially a smash cut in from like a wide shot of the first time you see the Hulk into a really close-up, super close-up of the Hulk's face. Oh, but man. that was emblematic of what the series exactly. would continue to be. Exactly. And it has been throughout 2019 with those moments. Like it makes you uneasy when the the panel borders are askew, when the, like the, the double-page spreads are just chaos and there's monsters and horrific things and it is visceral and it's funny and weird it's great yeah and whether that's like on a panel by panel page by page level or a series level where we've gone to like the end of space and time and like explored i think it was issue 25 was it where yeah. uh, we had a character that wasn't even humanoid, that wasn't he didn't even have a face, and we were bonkers. still right there with it. The art is still absolutely mind blowing. In case you couldn't tell, we both like Immortal Hulk a lot. Okay, so we have Immortal Hulk in terms of series that are right up there, and then yeah, like you said, War of the Realms, the main book with six, and then after that we have Star Wars with five, we have House of X with five. We have Thor, including King Thor with five. House of X, five out of six. Yeah. You know, I find that really interesting. Yeah. How many issues of whatever it was were put out this year? New Mutants. How many issues of New Mutants came out in 2019? Four. (laughs) How many times was it chosen? Four. Yeah. There's just no way around it. Yeah. Like that book started coming out a month ago and it's already like number 10 on this list. Yeah. (laughs) Four out of six issues of History of the Marvel Universe. Granted, it's just me. And I like (laughs) I am always going to go for that book. But X-Force gets three out of four. Black Cat, like surprise launch. We got 
seven issues, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Three of them are, were our picks. That book continues to just blow me away. A writer of that book, of course, Jed McKay, that I think of and that I actually thought of just before when I was talking about Teeny and Teeny's kind of meteoric rise, where it's a similar thing where this creator jumping into the Marvel Universe, taking the reins on a book, on a character, and then just you're you just immediately like, whoa, this person, wow. And you could just feel it in a way. So yeah, so cool to see a bunch of Jed stuff all over the top end of all this stuff. And one fun tidbit is, you know, we counted the specific core Star Wars title, but the number of times Tucker chose a Star Wars book of any type was 18. Wow. 18. That's like 12% or something. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I love that. I love knowing that. It's and who it, you are. Yeah. Yeah. And then, on, like, again, on a meta level, I love that it was even thought of to, like, hey, you know what? We should probably just include as a stat here the number of times Tucker specifically chose a Star Wars book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I'm, I'm very glad for that. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, all of these stats would not have been. Uh, put together without our producers for this episode of Marvel's Pull List, Jorge Estrada and M.R. Daniel. Uh, wouldn't be able to do the show like that without them, so thank them. Our audio development manager is Lauren Wiener. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Brad Barton is your friendly neighborhood antidote to Ultron Pym. You know what? I don't believe that. I like Brad. <laughs> Brad's a good guy. Uh, I think Ultron Pym comes. You're going to see Brad do a complete 360 turn on his heels Whoa. and quickly speed walk yeah. the other way as everyone should yeah. when you see Ultron Pym. Yeah, it's true. Yes. Oh, and apparently Jill DeBoff is the missing seventh Infinity Stone. Dun, dun, Whoa. dun. Wow. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that has been Marvel's Pull List for 2019. But don't you worry. We'll be back with another episode next week. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tiger. And this is Marvel. Your Universe.